The Late Morning Program with Nam Ras Podcast. Hare Krishna, you are listening to the number one Hare Krishna podcast in the world, the late morning program. I'm here with some very dear uh, parents, you can say, uh, of, of my very dear friends, Amal Harinam and Gorangi Priya. Uh, and their names are Apurva Prabhu and Kamalini Mataji. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. So just a little bit of background, um, why I'd like to have these devotees on is that they have been married for many years. We'll hear how many years they've been married. We'll, we'll hear how many years they've been in Srila Prabhupada's movement, ISKCON movement, practicing, serving very selflessly. And I think we all who are our listeners can glean so much from a grahasta couple that has been together for so many years and so many years in Krishna consciousness, practicing devotees. And I feel like there's so many stories, experiences, things to share that they can, uh, you know, just share their experience with us and we can learn something as being younger grahastas and people even who want to get into grahasta life. So um, first of all, let's start uh, with how did you, where did you grow up? First of all, you can, you can, you know, speak um, and uh, where did you grow up and how did you come in contact with uh, devotees? Okay. Well, I could start that. Um, I'm from Rockland County, Japan, which is about an hour from New York City. Right. And uh, I wanted to mention that um, I lived also in New York City and I learned how to uh, deal with drugs and deal drugs. And <laughs> I, I'm mentioning this because mainly because Srila Prabhupada I can see by his mercy and his special um, connection with Lord Nityananda that the most fallen, and that many of my godbrothers have experienced this when they first saw Prabhupada, that he just, he created our pious activities just by his presence. Mm-hmm. And um, I came from a very fallen background. Um, as far as sense enjoyers, I was part of the hippie crowd. We were following the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, etc., and doing whatever they were doing. And we were trying to find God in drugs. And I took that on as my main service for Rockland County was to um, <laughs> sell drugs and because I knew New York City very well. My mother left my father, who was a uh, a dentist and we were from an upper middle class family and I knew the ropes of New York City so I would go in every weekend and I would um, procure large quantities of marijuana hash LSD um, and others notables except uh, I didn't do heroin and um, that found me in a county jail in 1968 i was 18 years old both um my two younger brothers uh his name was jogendra and then um, my younger brother we were involved in drug dealing and um they, one of them became I, a devotee 
before yeah way before oh wow for about three years you. before and um that was my first experience with because i was um my father wanted me to go to college so i got sentenced to 60 days in the county jail because i sold to a narcotics agent and during that time i went introspective and i remember i read the first um, book was the complete illustrated book of yoga by Vishnu Devananda Swami. And um, because I couldn't really identify with much the inmates that were there, and it was a very hellish experience. And I got cleaned up totally by that experience. And I pretty much never took too many drugs afterwards. But um, what I wanted to say was that this was a turning point in my life. I, my father wanted me to go to college. So I spent my first year at the University of Denver. I saw the devotees on the streets in, in the college, and, but I never really took any notice. And um, then on my first summer break, my brother named Jogendra, he invited me to come to the New York Brooklyn Temple on Henry Street. He had, my father was a civil rights worker and anti-war. He was a real um, liberal. And so he met the devotees there with my father at, uh, they had a big Hari Nam and they were distributing lots, barrels full of prasadam. And he, instead of going back uh, to my with my father, we lived in uh, suburbia, Japan, which is an hour from New York City, he joined the temple when he, he was, he went back with the devotees. And so on my summer break in May 1971, I will never forget, he invited me to come and stay in the temple. I stayed in the temple for two weeks and Bhavananda was the temple president. I remember him and Bhakti John, um, he was also, a, they both, um, invited me to come back and stay. I, I stayed for two weeks and then I went home. I stayed only two days, packed my bags and moved into the temple. And the rest is history. Wow. And Mataji, so, when did you, how did you, where did you grow up? And how did you I grow? grew up in Brooklyn, New York. And um, I was downtown Brooklyn and just very close now to the Skimmerhorn Street Temple, but this is when the temple was on Henry Street. But I received a Back to Godhead magazine, which was very common. If you read this book, A Bond of Love, you'll see there's a theme. So many of Srila Prabhupada's female disciples that were interviewed for that book had a very similar experience. And we got Back to Godhead magazine. And I just remember, you know, from a brahmachari, and he gave me an invitation for the Sunday love feast. And I just remember the very first paragraph, as soon as I read one paragraph by Srila Prabhupada, I just felt, wow, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Because uh, my mother, she used to read Edgar Casey, and she was into reincarnation and all. And um, it just was so profound. And then I thought a Sunday love feast. And I kept looking in the back to Godhead was a picture of a rather small Hari Nam party in a circle. 
And I thought it must be like that. They say chanting and dancing. And when I went to the temple, I took one of my friends with me, another lady, and um, it happened to be Govardhan Puja, which I didn't know until the next year <laughs> I realized it. But I just was amazed. Everything was so amazing, and especially the drama. And uh, I was I was watching the drama. I said to my friend, Krishna looks like a girl. And this brahmachari turns around. He said, that's because he's so beautiful. <laughs> and so um, it would, like my husband said, he moved in after two weeks of visiting. And I was very slow. This was in 1972 that I went in the fall. And, um, but it took me a year and a half. In those days, that was a long time because all the devotees that were visiting the temple the same time as me, they all moved in the temple way before I did. But I was, I just started increasing my attendance, increasing my re reading of the books and chanting on Japa beads and going to the temple. And then um, finally, in 1974, I really, I wanted to move into the temple. Before that, I thought, I'm just not qualified. Like, I never thought I was qualified to move in the temple. And uh, Jadarani, she asked me, when are you going to move in the temple? I said, me? Oh, I like a little bit more peaceful life than this. And she said, well, your body might be peaceful, but your mind will be more agitated. And, and, um, and then Mamata, again, some months later, asked me that question. And I said, really, you think that I'm allowed to move in the temple? So she said, sure. So then I went, I had an appointment to see the temple president, Gopijanavalaba Prabhu, the late Gopi Janavalba Prabhu. And um, I went and he said, okay, you have to first of all come every day for two weeks, come to Mangal Artik and stay till after the, the last Artik, which was 9.30. So I lived in Brooklyn. I had to take the subway. I'm just a teenager. Take the subway, you know, at 3.30 in the morning and walk through the streets of downtown Brooklyn because the subway was quite far from the Henry Street Temple, but I did it for two weeks. I did that, and um, and then I was allowed to move into the ashram. Like wow. that. Amazing! And and so, when did you both meet, and what was the story behind your marriage? I'll tell you. Um, first of all, I was on the Radhamadar bus party. Oh wow! And I actually remained a brahmachari for five years. And um, most, you know, I made it clear that and I was not going to be able to remain brahmachari. And um, Tomal Krishnamaraj wanted me to help Vishnu Gada and assist in the uh, Govinda's restaurant that was there at the West 55th Street Temple, mm -hmm. that big building. He made, my, he made my dad a devotee, Vishnu Gada Prabhu. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. So after they had moved from Brooklyn to Manhattan yeah. at, the, at the beginning of 75, right? Yeah. yeah. I did warn them in advance, uh, Gauri and Tosan Krishna, that I would probably want to get married if I got off the bus. It wouldn't be very easy. So how we met was this. During... Um, 
Yeah. We, uh, at that time, we had two very segregated, the men and the women never associated at all. And we had a separate Tulsi RT. So this one day, um, I would often do Tulsi Arctic. I relished that service. And I went to the Pachari room to make up my tray. And at the same time, Kamalini came in. Also, <laughs> and she made up her tray. And during, in those days, the way it went was we first... Yeah, come into the frame a little bit, Prabhu. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Please. We would say the English first. Oh, Tosi, beloved of Krishna, I bow before you again and again. Whoever takes shelter of you has his wishes fulfilled, bestowing your mercy upon him. You make my resident, Vrindavan, Sri Vrindavan Dham. Thus, within my vision, I will always behold the beautiful pastimes of Radha and Krishna. So I was, yeah, repeating that as I was, you know, lighting the incense and starting the Archie. And then, um, I meditated very, <laughs> fervently. very fervently because it said that whatever you, uh, if you make a request or a prayer to Tulsi, I said, Tulsi, I was totally blown away when I saw her. She was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I made that prayer just to myself. I didn't tell anybody at all. Right. And so did you know ago, her or do you just saw her i just saw her there for the first i mean i probably saw her maybe a little bit in between right but i didn't notice her it was there in the pajari room yeah. and that's when i got attached but the amazing thing is that i never told anybody about it, it was just between me and tulsi right and then she can tell you more no I think. But then you did tell them you'd like to get married. Yeah. I didn't mention any names. Right. After about a month after that um, interaction with Tulsi, I did make a request. And um, so, yeah. Can you? Okay. So um, one Thursday, I remember it was a Thursday. I used to distribute books at um, LaGuardia Airport. And because there were um, quite a few devotees going out, we had two ships. And now this is after Radha Damodar party kind of folded and merged into the Manhattan Temple. That became like the Radha Damodar party as well. So um, what happened was I was on the second shift. That means um, some devotees would go out six in the morning until once they would distribute um, we distributed six hours, so they would distribute seven until one. So then we went out um, at twelve, and and then we changed, you know, changed guards. So that means we didn't get home till ten p.m. But we would get up very early. But later in the morning, we could take a nap before we went out again. So I I go to the Sankirtan office. You know, it's ten o'clock at night, and um, and Gaur Hari Prabhu, who just passed away very recently, and Tosan Krishna, uh, they said, we'd like to talk to you. So I go into the office, and they say, you know, like this temple, um, 
we think it's quite un, imbalanced because there's 100 brahmacharis, 30 brahmacharinis, and we think we should have more grihastas, and we'd like to start with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, you know what? I really don't want to get married, but there's a lot of other girls who do. They talk about it, and they talk about how they would love to get married. So one thing is I was extremely submissive and I did whatever I was asked to do. I had a lot of service besides just um, besides going on book distribution um, six days a week. So then, um, like uh, I said, I really don't want to. And then um, Gauri says, how old are you? I said, I'm um, 76. So then I was 23. And uh, Tosan Krishna says, you'll be sorry when you're 30 years old and there's no one left to marry. <laughs> and, I, I, and, um, I said, you know, I really want to just uh, dedicate myself to book distribution. And then Tosan said, well, look at my wife, Sunita, who also passed away. Um, Sunita, she's a book distributor. You know, you can still be a book distributor when you're married. I said, well, hardly, hardly any married um, devotees, you know, are book distributors in the temple anyway, the Brahmacharinis. So um, anyway, they kind of uh, convinced me. They said, do you want to know who you're going to marry? I said, okay. They said, Apoorva. And I said, who is Apoorva? Because a hundred brahmacharis, and like he mentioned, there wasn't much interaction. I only knew the names really of devotees who gave class and who um, led kirtans and were book distributors. But I didn't even know the names of the brahmacharis. And they go, you don't know Purva? He's the one who's been feeding you for the last two and a half years. He's the head cook here. So great. All right. So then um, that was quite um, a kind of disturbing to me. Like it shook me up quite a bit. And then they said, okay. All right. So why did it, why did it shake you up? Well, because I wasn't prepared for it. You know, I wasn't, um, I w really, I was not thinking of getting married and then right, just right. to be, and you're going to marry someone you don't even know who it is. Mm -hmm. So then, um, they said, what day do you stay back? So I said, Tuesdays, I stay back. All right, Tuesday morning, meet in the lobby right after breakfast, and and you can go get your marriage license. So I did not, never met him until then. And then in the morning, I asked Sunita at Mangalarti, who is a Purva? And she told me, and then I told my Sankirtan leader, I said, did you know they want me to get married? And he said, don't do it. It's total hell. <laughs> <laughs> he, had, he had gotten divorced rather recently, apparently did not have a very good marriage. And I'm like, there's my, really, my ticket out. All right, so I told Sunita, I don't want to do it. And, um, and he got in a lot of trouble for saying that to me. But um, so anyway, that was, you know, Friday morning. So by Tuesday, um, after breakfast, 
I come to the lobby. He's wearing saffron and um, and Tosan, Krishna, and Gorhari. Were they both there? They said, yeah. Purva, this is Kamalini. Kamalini, this is a Purva. We go to get our marriage license. That's the first time we meet. Oh. So, <laughs> Still married to this day. Amazing. <laughs> so... Um, you know Manhattan, wide yeah. sidewalks. So he's on one side of the sidewalk and I'm on the other. But, Abu, what was going through your mind at this point? This was the this was the same person that you saw in the Pujari room. Yeah, I was kind of nervous. I didn't it's the first time I really associated with Look, any women um after becoming devotee. Can't and see you. Hey, you're coming to the frame a little bit. That is a little bit awkward, but yeah. I um, was actually happy that, that it turned out that way because I never told anybody about that, you know, prayer to Tulsi or that I, it was just like a miracle. And right. so I was happy and one, yeah. Right. I, so sorry, Madhuji, please continue. I was a little nervous because I hadn't, you know, associated with women in five years. Right. So. Okay, so the first thing he said to me was, how many books did you distribute yesterday? And I had distributed way more than I usually did. I had distributed 60 big books because on Saturday nights, I would, after regular book distribution, right before Harinam, big, big Harinam Times Square, then I would um, collect and whatever I collected, I could distribute that many books, $5 of Bhagavad Gita. So I said 60. And then um, and then I just started telling him what I was reading in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So we took um, we took a taxi there, right? So we go yeah. to to the office. Um, we go to this little office. It's a very narrow room. And um and office so we go in, office. yeah, to license office. There's one lady clerk at the desk. She said, have a seat. So we both sit down a little bit in the back. It's like a about the size of a, uh, not as long, a railroad, you know, a train, a train car, narrow like that. And she said, okay, sir, come. All right. And she's writing, what's your name? And then <laughs> what's her name? He doesn't know my legal name. So we're getting married. He doesn't even know my name. And then he comes back to me and said, what's your name? Okay. Then he goes back to her and tells her my legal name. Then he, she said, what's your date of birth? What's her date of birth? One minute. And he comes and asks me my date of birth. I don't know how she, um, you know, gave a license to people who don't even know the name or, um, or the birthday of who they're going to marry. But we filled out, you know, he filled out the application. We waited for that to come. It took about a month to um, get the um, to get the, um, the license to get married. Now, I just want to tell you one thing, that um, the day that they told me, you know, that asked me to get married, I had an extraordinary experience mm. early in the morning. It was mm. in September. So, you know, September in New York City, like perfect weather. And in Manhattan, 
there it was 13 stories so we would sometimes chant on the rooftop so i was chanting on the roof and you know the sky the sun was was just starting to rise and it was like beautiful weather and i just said this mantra in my mind i kept saying there's nothing to be had in all the 14 worlds but the holy name and book distribution and the thing is it's not common like japa always to this day is a struggle for me it doesn't come really easily and so but that particular day i had um a, an extraordinary experience actually and i felt so satisfied with the holy name and my service like a spurty and i don't know about that but so the fact that they asked me on that day and the first thing he said to me was how many books did you distribute um i saw that it was actually krishna's arrangement because the second thing he he always asked me is about my japa like to this day every day he'll say you know how many rounds did you chant did you finish yet and um encourage me not to be staying up late at night finishing my rounds but to chant in the morning and you know so i saw that he um he was is a helper in that um in in what i wanted and mm -hmm. so i got that um through his holy association so anyway we got we went to a um it was a unitarian minister's office to get our legal wedding and um leela shmriti was uh oh stood up mm -hmm. for us and also also for hari right mm -hmm. and then uh, my mother was there my brother just in and my sister-in-law so in the office and then we waited and then exact and then one year later we had our fire yoga and the fire yoga was at the sunday feast in manhattan with two other couples so we all uh, had a triple wedding at the sunday feast and you know i didn't didn't eat my mother did not even have a chair we didn't even give her a seat uh she's standing up for the wedding with one oh of her gosh. girlfriends i know not like nowadays i did not own a sari like someone lent me a sari a chutapriya and i did not own a choli i wore a t-shirt at my wedding and a borrowed sari <laughs> and somebody did um henna with a magic marker red dots when I went on book distribution the next day, someone said, oh, do you have measles? So it was just like <laughs> big red dots all over my hands. Wow. But anyway, um, yeah, so we, um, yeah, we lit. then after that, we, oh, as yeah. soon as we got legally married, only um, one month later, I was sent to Puerto Rico before for the, that, for the marathon the yeah. only the way the only association we had oh yeah up until she i didn't see her for six months i think oh. when she went to puerto rico we would meet in one area uh, on the what 10th floor no 10th floor was the women's ashram and right. the only association Ninth we had was floor. we, we or, would read no, together no. the srimad bhagavatam four days a week and because the Grihasta floor, you know, a... it was the eighth floor was the Grihasta 
ashram. Ninth floor was the Brahmacharini ashram. So we would just sit in the hallway in, in um, on the eighth floor and read for an hour, four days a week, because Friday, Saturday were big book distribution days, long hours, and Sunday he cooked the Sunday feast. Oh, yeah. But you, do you know, yeah, go ahead. You didn't ever think like, <clears throat> like hearing that story of how you got married in this day and age would be kind of appalling in the sense of that you don't know the person. So how can you, how can you get married to someone you just met? The person's, you know, a poor probably still in saffron. <laughs> so you know, like going to. So what? What would you like? How would you say that you were okay with that at the time? Could you kind of explain like your thoughts process at the time? Um, really, it was, um, I was just very submissive, you know, whatever I was asked to do, because I felt um, we, we were taught too that um, the representatives of Srila Prabhupada, you know, there to be respected and obeyed as if it was Srila Prabhupada speaking to us. Right. So I felt that this is the arrangement of the Lord. And mm -hmm. then I also kind of knew that um, arranged marriages statistically last longer than love marriages. Because right. love marriages, what happens, they lead to great, sometimes, you know, sometimes, great disappointment because that infatuation makes one, you know, you feel like so much uh, euphoric and all, and then comes disappointment later on. And um, whereas like this, there was no, I had no expectation really. So instead it's uh, the opposite. It increased, you know, my, um, my appreciation, my affection, it increased over time rather mm. than, than fizzling out. Right. And um, and then um, and then the main thing I think you know the main compatibility you could say is just our commitment that we're committed to our vows you know we're committed to our initiation vows, and um and we're committed to the vows of marriage. That's I would say the main thing. And you know I have a mantra a secret mantra for for everyone for a marriage yeah. life and that mantra is that's all like i i think whoever you live with you know even if it's like the brahmachari ashram or any ashram when you're living in very close quarters with everyone yeah. i think there's usually bound to be things that kind of annoy you like idiosyncrasies that are annoying so instead i say this mantra that's all like for example like say like leaving the cabinet kitchen cabinet doors open when every time he makes the offering he leaves the bell in front of the altar instead of in the in the designated place <laughs> or leaving his shoes right in the middle of the doorway right. you know these are little things that could be very annoying so i just say that's all like i'm gonna get annoyed at such a very small thing right. when um, there are people um you know husbands who are extremely abusive who um who actually don't follow the principles who take you know take intoxication listen to mundane uh, music and not 
and way worse, right? Have affairs. You know, I think like this is so small, like all the little things, like they say, don't sweat the small stuff in love. So not that it doesn't take tolerance. There's, you know, a lot of things, it takes tolerance and and it takes two to tango. So it takes two to um, argue. So if one person just um, decides not to engage in it, it, then then it can't happen. There can't be an argument. It just takes one to not do it. And of course, you know, it's natural too. Every marriage, there's disagreements and, you know, like that. And um, like even this show, I'm like, what? Why would we go on this show? <laughs> this is like, so important. What you're saying is so important, I feel. Really, I'm there. I don't want to do this. And um, <laughs> like, why? We're not really a good example. And um, you're an amazing example. Please, Apuka <laughs> Prabhu. Okay. What about you? What was going through yeah. your like? How did you feel that it was okay just meeting, you know, her immediately? I like, I mean, it was a dream come true when I first <laughs> saw her. Wow, it was really great. And I think also it's special. Krishna's special arrangement because one thing is she when she was brought up in a very difficult situation where she sometimes yeah. wouldn't get anything to eat she'd walk <laughs> in the fridge and all there was was some mayonnaise and also <laughs> I have a very um I'm not that great at giving Bhagavatam classes or anything but I really love and appreciate her classes they are so <laughs> amazing and so it's it it was a win-win situation but Over i never gave class back then <laughs> of course but um you but that, he's it. saying back then why would you marry someone who didn't know it all <laughs> you mentioned krishna's, krishna's arrangement okay yeah okay and 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 so going back to you know talking a little bit more about marriage what would you feel are is your like principles of your married life that you've relied on to stay together for this long yeah. well one thing is we really we really love um prashada we have so <laughs> many uh like uh what do you call it uh we just love to do the same things together. We love to to go and travel and preach and distribute books, and we love to uh, eat really good, <laughs> and um, we love to um, like have new people come and and talk, you know, talk to them about Krishna consciousness, and we love to host people come to our house. It actually encourages us to get the place real clean. And oh. and we we also um, invite devotees to get to come here sometimes and stay and we just have very similar interests and we um, and main thing is the morning program we, we yeah. both are committed to sadhana you know mm -hmm. that's like the biggest compatibility actually you feel that you have compatibility because of your attraction and about and your commitment to sadhana. Yeah, more than, you know, compatibility, really, outside of that. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And what other 
what would you say are things that have been challenging in your many years of marriage? All right, let's see. Um, well, if you if you want to bring it, I up mean, if you if it's hard to think about, that's a really good sign because it seems like you're very you've kind of gotten over so many. I mean, I'm sure there have been challenges, but at this point, it seems like you know it's it's just uh, an amazing you know team 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 in in your in your life, right? Yeah. So, what's the most challenging for you? Be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, be honest. No, I mean, well, just for the last two years, I've been having a lot of health difficulties, and one of them is called mild cognitive impairment, where I just don't remember things. I, I things have been real difficult for her to deal with. Um, you know, mm -hmm. just um, I was in the hospital for five days once. Um, what's really helped me out a lot is I've been following Yogi Nataraj and Sundari's uh, new cookbooks. Who we met on the late morning program. Yeah, right. yeah <laughs> if it wasn't for that. And um, it's been real difficult for her because she has to carry what I lack, which has been um, uh, just over the last two years, a lot of um, health and, you know, impairment in remembering stuff for i forget where i put my cell phone it's very she's very tolerant and i feel <laughs> she's supporting me in in what what i want to do yeah, and she's been yeah. extremely uh kind and considerate <laughs> and she's really expert in you know doing the laundry and keeping things on a more medical platform than me so all i'm hearing from a purva prabhu is is glorification uh, of you mataji that's, that's you're supposed to say yeah. challenges <laughs> i mean he mentioned he mentioned the what about what about you yeah well you have to say the thing you know he is so uh doting that um and i i like um like independence a little and solitude and he he's like like one thing like he mentioned about food i feel that in that sense it's a marriage made in heaven that i love to eat and he loves to cook so that's really mercy but he he's always like um kind of um like a i'm a little child like no no you can't eat that like if i i love sugar you know sweets and he's like that doesn't serve you to eat that so he and then he kind of follows me around with here take this herb now take this take mm -hmm. that like uh, oh and then you know it's time to go to bed because you know he goes to bed early and i know i should too part of my love of solitude is nighttime when mm -hmm. there's you know i'm the same i'm the same and nobody, yeah, especially when you have children, yeah. you know, they're sleeping and the phone's not going to ring and um, and it's super quiet. And I mean, I love staying up late and that's, you know, when I read and um, and all and he's like, you need to go to bed, you know, go to bed early and um, and and take this and take that and don't eat that. And if I do eat it, he'll talk about it. 
the next day. You know, that wasn't good for you to eat that. And I know right. that it's out of love and concern for right. me, but right. it's kind of, you know, like, um, like my daughter will say, you know, she's an adult, actually. She can do. I'm trying to make it an effort to wind down on that. And also, that. you know, now with yeah. the new diet, Yogi Nataraj, um, his wife, Sundari's wonderful cookbooks, um, like he's really experimenting with all these wonderful recipes, but you know, they're, they're very. For, for our younger devotees listening who are not married yet, uh, they everyone is kind of looking for how their soulmate. Mm -hmm. So, what would you say to someone who came to you and said, um, "What should I look for in a, in in a prospective partner? How can I find that person? How can I have what you have?" Okay. Yeah. You know, um, like I, I do tell people, the thing is that nobody's perfect. Like that is an illusion to think, you know, I'm going to find the perfect person and even the soulmate, like everybody is lacking in one way or another. Like, you know how many women have said to me, you're so lucky you have a husband who cooks. He does all of the cooking. People think we both cook, but I don't cook at all. And I'm I'm a sous chef when he does big cooking. You know, I wash the dishes. I cut up the vegetables, but I don't go on that side of the kitchen where the stove is. But they say, you're so lucky. And I go, wow, you're so lucky. Your husband built you a house with his own hands. Your husband... Ha, um, let you buy anything you want. He has like a truckload of money. Your husband is a great scholar. You know, like everyone has different qualities mm. to appreciate, but you can't have them all. Like you can't have, you know, um, a spouse who has all of the great qualities. So what happens? We are, we're satisfied. Okay, this is it. And just be satisfied with what you have of course we know i mean it's, it's relationships are not easy and um and many times we've seen uh, couples get divorced because of one reason but then the new husband he's lacking a quality that the old husband had just like in the workforce even right like um you know there's like okay we're gonna fire this person and get a new employee and then that new employee, he may be filling in where there was lacking in the other one, but he's not as good at, at something else. So just to accept that, that yeah, nobody's perfect and to, um, to tolerate, you know, this is like great opportunity to tolerate and, um, and use my mantra, that's all. Like that's so little, every, everything, like it's so little in the, in the scope of, um, you know, long-term um, and all. And of course, having young children, that's um, a, a great challenge, you know, especially nowadays, because see, when we had young children, we had a culture of morning program. We all went to Mangalarti. So our children had all their friends at Mangalarti because for young children, friends is very important and especially like teenagers. But when they're all going to be there at Mangalarti, then you really look forward to going. 
But now people are so isolated and with the electronic age, you know, like Sachinanda Swami says, the monster in your pocket. And, um, and we were just there in New Vrindavan. And on Sunday, he, goes, he was reciting a verse and people took out their phones. He goes, oh, it's there on your, um, on your machine. What did he call it? Um, you know, besides a monster, monster, oh, your distraction machine. <laughs> So, so like now with technology, it's a whole other ball game, mm -hmm. but, but it's a challenge. So now that our children are grown, like, um, you know, in a way it's, it's, um, uh, it's a lot more, um, peaceful because I was the disciplinary more than, <laughs> more than him. <laughs> so, I, I would like to butt in for a minute and just, uh, mention that I have taken on a new realm of possibility over the last three or four days, I've come to the realization that ultimately, if you want to have a happy marriage, you have to be more in harmony uh, with each other and have, I'm creating the possibility of having a mood of gratitude and more um, give her her space that she needs it. And this is the real um, test of a good a householder life. And that's the goddess of fortune dwells in the wife and the whole family when the wife is happy. And you also are following Srila Prabhupada's process. But the main thing is be more, I want, I'm trying to be more accepting and just accept that she is who she is and don't, you know, push, don't try and impose, impose my, right. you know, way of being just because that, that we're both different people in so many different ways, mm -hmm. but just to be loving and kind. And th this is a secret really to having the goddess of fortune in your, in your family, uh, in, in your life. Uh, that the husband and wife work in harmony with each other and they share things and uh, they're kind and considerate and, and loving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like sometimes when you, when we're driving and I see her kind of nodding out, I'll give her, a, you know, back massage and just try and be more of a partner in, in creating loving exchanges. Mm -hmm. And it's, Some it's so important. Sometimes I think um, I'm so attached to my wife. It's scary sometimes. I feel like I've never been so attached to someone in my whole life mm -hmm. that maybe one day when that attachment is not there, when it's, when it's you know, when we're going, we're die when we're dying, that's it. I might be so attached that I could maybe only think of her when I die. Um, so what would you say to someone who says that, like, I mean, I'm saying that right now, but this attachment that you have for so many years, 40 plus 40 years of being married, um, do you ever feel that like, okay, this is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm too attached. I mean, I could, I could feel that I've only been married almost 10 years. I'm too attached. What would you say to that? Go ahead. No, you you can start. 
I think that um, naturally, um, you know, Vana Prasta, we had a whole seminar with Jayadweta Swami and mm -hmm. your dad is on it too, these Zoom calls. It right. went on for uh, several months mm -hmm. about Vana Prasta. So we know from reading Srila Prabhupada's books how um, Vana Prasta is, you, you know, I mean, Prabhupada was very um, saying at 50 years old, you know, which we don't see that happening uh, too much, but um, but it it kind of uh, occurs naturally where one shifts their attachment, mm -hmm. attachment to um, sadhu sangha, attachment to hearing the scriptures, and um, and and let you know, especially when our children are grown and um, and because that for a married couple, you know, the children are a real. Um, you could say binding force, you know, that you're mutual parents of these children. And um, like, I, I think, um, you know, because we prepare ourselves, I think of death every day, like, um, like for one thing, like possessions, you know, mm. I, I think, well, let's see, like, suppose, suppose that I have 10 more years, like, 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 do I really want to get another thing that, um, that is going to, um, you know, that I won't need very soon? Well, well, just like naturally, naturally, you just start pulling away and from hearing the scriptures and then, of course, seeing at least every month one of our God brothers or God sisters is leaving their body. So it's kind of... Um, you know, more like logistics, like I think, all right, what would I do if he left first? Like, would I stay in this house by myself? Or, um, you know, would I move to Rindavan? And I always tell him, here, you have to learn how to do this because when I die, you know, you have to do your own laundry <laughs> and things like that. Um, and then he says, no, I'm probably going to die before you. So, you know, it becomes a, a real, a reality. Like, um, like, you know, many materialists, we know they don't want to face that music and they're in the hospital and, and all their relatives are saying, you're going to get better. You know, they're, they're finding a cure for this and, and uh, you are going to get better and you'll be home for Christmas and, you know, the whole illusion. But we've been, you know, right from the very beginning of reading Srila Prabhupada's books, we know um, that death is inevitable and that um, separation is inevitable one way or another, you know. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so, um, yeah, I think it's just it's just the logistics where we will place that attachment. And if we're cultivating that attachment the whole time, then the transition shouldn't be so difficult. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, and one thing that's really um, enlivened our, you know, for the last five years, we've been having a reading group of about eight to 10 devotees in different parts of the United States. And actually, uh, Gargamuni, uh emphasized that when he first joined all the devotees would read together and this is a way to read probably i mean we all we also have that we we read um on our own but to read in a group 
you begin to uh, the scriptures become alive and you you share uh, we what we do is we read the bhagavatam for 45 minutes everyone gets a chance and then we reflect we and and then the newer devotees also they get a chance to get their doubts slashed so that they see through the eyes of scripture especially this is one of the great benefits of i feel <laughs> being married to kamalini she has a very good memory of the scriptures and she really knows how to um speak to new people and to answer questions i mean i'm 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 like totally amazed by some of the things she knows because she's read so much and she somehow or other is able to because she's read so much she's able to bring the scriptures to the the light of the doubts and the questions that come up and ties it all in which is an amazing amazing <laughs> wow <laughs> it's so amazing really glorifying it's, yeah. <laughs> it's really great and the, and we've had this group for for um yeah, about five years five years now wow and, um it's been really uh really great in the opportunity to you know preach and also and the, yeah the main thing about it it's now the these family. bhakti rickshaw groups all over and these reading groups i see you know this is the real association because you develop relationships like today was the birthday of one of our readers so naturally you know we we sang happy birthday and wished him happy birthday like you develop personal relationships more than like now our temples do you know when we joined there was zero indians living in our temples i never saw an indian growing up and i'm from new york you know um like you know now of course the demographics have totally shifted in our temples sometimes one could feel kind of lost you know with the big crowd and everything and but right. these groups and bhakti riksha groups like they develop like uh, it's like-minded people and they're small enough that you can really care about each other and support each other through the different um some scars of life you know when one has a baby when one is looking for a job and when somebody is sick when somebody dies like like there's support from the from a group and you're not like alone mm -hmm. because so many devotees um mm. actually feel like alone like nobody cares about me and um you know and it's not a very um good thing <laughs> it it's good to have um to, to care about others and to have someone care about you you know and so these groups i i find they're they're the new um you know the new really strength of the movement these Groups. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's the future of the movement, to be honest, is yeah. small, small groups. And in your small group, are you basically the leaders and you kind of take care of the devotees there in your group? Yeah. That's really nice. They're new. Most of them are, some of them are quite new devotees. Like um, we mm -hmm. went to a Shravanam Kirtanam camp once and my husband announced that we have a reading group. So one young um 
man, a devotee named Chaitanya Bhavd, he joined our reading group. And then when we finished the whole Bhagavatam that day, he said, may I invite, we have a club, you know, the mantra lounge, right? That's another another dynamic way of preaching. So may I invite the members of our mantra lounge uh, at college, a university, invite them to join? And I said, sure, because we were about to start all over again. Yeah. So um, like four of them joined and two of them are super steady. And um, and now we're on the sixth cano, halfway through sixth cano for the second time around. So, um, but yeah, you could say that we're the leaders. Yeah, I'd like to um, I'd like to sh kind of shift gears and talk to you a little bit about children. So, as our viewers know, you have a very famous son, Amal Harinam, which is a very dear friend of mine, and also his sister, Gorangi Priya. Uh, what are some principles of raising good children? You would say, uh, because your children your children are devotees. And that's so important. And that's one of my my wife and I's biggest fear is that our children grow up and they don't want to be devotees. They don't want anything to do with Krishna consciousness. But because we see that. Yeah. We see that in our movement also. So that's something that I that I'd love to hear about. How did you raise them? How did you raise what are some principles? Well, one of the main things is we always um with Gurangi Priya, we were in LA. And we would bring her every morning, even though she wasn't awake. She'd be sleeping through Mongol Artik. We gave them the opportunity of transcendental sound vibration from all directions. And we let them absorb uh, the um, association of other devotees in Kirtan. And uh, we kept them close to us most of the time <laughs> except awesome. except when they yeah. <laughs> okay we have but, to look okay you keep moving away from the yeah come into the into the sh <laughs> shot there yeah okay <laughs> yeah so it's important to encourage them and to you know um physically have them in transcendental association so that they're hearing the holy name, so that they're associating with other devotees and giving them as much uh, nurturing and, and love as, as possible. Um, yeah, I saw a picture uh, from a very long time ago. You had Amal on your back and you were playing cartels and you must have been in a Rathiatra or something or Kirtan. And he was just there on your back very happily in the Kirtan. <laughs> Yeah, it was the Ann Arbor um, Arts Fair. Arts it was fair. a street fair where we did Harinam every year. Had right. what, yeah. what other principles would you say about chi uh, child raising? Yeah, you want to say more? No. Yeah, the main thing, more than anything, is transcendental sound. Mm. Like always, you know, playing kirtan. Like we we didn't have um, you know, TV or um even even videos but and then always you know every day bedtime story is krishna stories and right. reading about krishna of course they went to gurukula and um and gurukula with ermila which was very krishna conscious school yeah. and um and again if your peers you know, you know also are krishna conscious 
it's so much easier. And um, and then the thing, you know, like prashadam, not not uh, eating in restaurants and and never ever watching movies and um, and and neither did they miss it. I mean, because they didn't know that that there is such a thing, so they didn't hanker for it. Whereas nowadays, I see, you know, children are, um, even babies are holding the cell phone and and uh, watching, which is really detrimental to brain development besides character development. But um, bombarding, you know, children with mundane vibration right from birth, you, you won't believe it. But I read once, it's called Rock and Roll Baby so that your baby in the womb that you know with this little bit of buffering they're still hearing but um but now you can insert a little speaker the mother can insert it so the baby can hear um the music right right there in the womb wow. <laughs> without the buffering of of the stomach and the and everything else but I mean, it's just like such violence, you know, violence to them mm. and all. And, um, you know, the main thing <clears throat> like is um, rhythm, like rhythm regulation. Mm. Regulation is very important for peaceful children. And, um, you know, not that it was easy and I, not by any means do I consider that I was a good mother you know i have a, a lot of regrets and um i think most mothers do you know think how we could have done better and um but and, and amal went to rindavan when he was eight yeah. years old um for one year and that was huge for him like it really laid a foundation <clears throat> of um of spiritual culture I felt for him. And then, of course, later on, going on the bus tour, that was huge. Like, um, he he so much, um, because you know how Manu, Prabhu, and wherever they go, they do programs, they have drama and kirtan. So then having him have that opportunity to lead kirtan and then hear Beer Krishna Swami, since he's eight years old, he would have him lead Guru Puja, Mangalarti, Kirtans, Tulsi Puja. So just having that opportunity gave him a head start, you know. And then, of course, the yeah. icing on the cake yeah. is living in the ashram of the 24-hour Kirtan with Indra Prabhu. Right. That really, um, you know, just skyrocketed his um, love for Kirtan and Krishna consciousness. You know, of course, I expect a lot more from him, especially. <laughs> like people say, you must be so proud of him. I oh, always say, I, I, yeah, I'm proud. I expect more. <laughs> with parents, with parents, it's always like that, right? When you, when you've raised someone, there's there's always expectations. Uh, even if my my child at the moment is four years old, but I still have expectations of him, like yeah. you know, to, to to do certain things, be a certain way, and things like that. So yeah, yes, one thing, one thing that I've observed that the that children are really not happy when they're in charge of their life, 
They like mm. structure. They like somebody to lead them. You know, not that it's a total authoritarian right. dictatorship thing, but right. you know, these guidelines that mm -hmm. here, this is what we're doing now. You know, like one thing, prashadam, you have to sit down and take prashadam and, you know, healthy <laughs> prashadam. And when they get up, that's it. You're done with prashadam. You right. wash up and um, until next time around, then they learn, you know, but things like that. I see now kids just eating while they're walking around and eating so many um, cookies and, and sweet things and, you know, without healthy um, prashadam. But anyway, that's just a little side note. Right. What about what about the way children um, come into the world? Did you, is it important to have a certain, um, you know, the, 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 obviously there's a samskar portion of that, bringing children into the world. Could you say something about the importance of that? Yeah, the Garbhadhan Samskara. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Srila Prabhupada writes about it in Srimad Bhagavatam, the first Samskara, because, um, you know, it's there's even like, you know, even non devotees, right? They're, they're they call conscious parenting, mm -hmm. and um, where one is inviting, we're inviting a soul to come and, mm -hmm. um, and praying to the Lord to, um, you know, to have a devotee and, and, so that we can serve them, so that we can serve them so that they can serve Krishna. So it's very valuable servants, service and so, so important because those foundational years, they really um, make a difference in one's life. So yeah, having Garbhadhan Samskara, which, you know, and I think in the Manasamhita, it's very, very elaborate, but Srila Prabhupada made it very simple that one chance, 50 rounds of japa before sex and um, and for conception of a child. Of course, now I know um, it's probably not as prominent and um, <laughs> and considered quite unrealistic, perhaps. But yeah. um, that's but, a, another yeah foundation. I just wanted to share when we um, conceived Amal, we were doing a preaching center in Lansing, Michigan, we had these Gornitai deities that were installed by uh, Gore Keshava, came from New Vrindavan. Oh, wow. And um, I remember uh, that I made a really special prayer to um, our Gornitais, they were just installed, that please send someone who would uh, assist us in our in our service. Our service was every day we'd go on Harinam, and then we also had a restaurant. We served um, Govinda's restaurant, but the Harinam was every day, and we <laughs> it was just the three of us, um, my daughter and my wife and I. So I feel um, also it was an amazing thing that I'm all. Uh, was born on the same day that the deities were installed um, one year october 25th one year later mm -hmm. right you prayed and that's what happened, <laughs> <you know? laughs> amazing um i feel a certain pressure as a father to uh lead my family and lead my children Apurva, did you feel a certain 
pressure as 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 you've gone through fatherhood now your children are grown up but um could you tell us a little bit about your feelings of as you were going through that did you feel a certain pressure when you were uh you know having your family life when when you were young um in what ways i think that more than pressure is responsibility like right responsibility great, yeah exactly great responsibility i'll be right back. yeah yeah of course because um you have uh first of all this is a soul that krishna has sent you mm -hmm. and you want to give them the best opportunity to become krishna conscious right. it's a very important uh aspect of um you know devotional service is and this is your service and and Prabhupada even mentioned that in many different uh i was just listening the other day and uh um Pradumna's wife arundhati was doing deity worship and she was um <clears throat> asking Prabhupada, what what should i do because I have to, um, you know, worship the deity. And Prabhupada basically told her, your deity now is your child. Right. So you should take care of the, uh, your child first. And that is the priority in your life. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we have a responsibility to give them the full opportunity. Prabhupada said these children are lining up. Uh, the demigods are lining up <laughs> to take birth in this movement we have to give them all the the facility to uh you know become krishna conscious and uh you know we we tried our best at that of course there there were a lot of um breakdowns and if i had to do it over again i would have um i don't know if I would have uh, sent them away to uh, to school so much, because there's there was a lot of separation, and um, somehow or other, Krishna, I don't know, um, made special arrangements so that they would grow up nicely. But there were they both both of our kids were um, separated from us. Mm -hmm for long, uh, different periods of time. And, um, of course, and a lot of it was so that we could also do our services, but, and we thought it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But in retrospect, I would have rather had them at home going to, you know, school and then coming back. I mean, grew cool. Grew cool. Although Prabhupada's, plan was he actually wanted that so it's a little you know right. Mataji what about you as as far as responsibility or feelings of pressure to as a as a younger hasta raising your children I don't know I just think um it's natural you know because you have um naturally so much affection for your children so it's not really like a pressure it's just um, like nowadays when I see young mothers, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I 
did that because it is so absorbing. Like your whole life is just focused on that child, yeah. you know, young children. And um, everything is centered around them, you know, everything you do. And it's like, it's such a selfless service. You're not thinking of, um, of yourself and what you want to do, but you're thinking, you know, what's the best for your ch child? And you feel, I know, um, like if the child's happy, then the mother feels happy. If the child's sad and, and upset and, or what to speak of being sick, the mother feels unhappy or if the child is, um, you know, is hungry or dirty, then the mother feels. So when you give the child a bath and, and they're well fed, you know, you feel that satisfaction. There's such a, a link, uh, such a connection between the um, mother and the child that um, it's like symbiotic, you know, and, and so, um, just out of love, you know, not really um, like like so much inconvenience because something that you just um, want to do when you love somebody, you know, you want to serve them, you want to make them happy. And then at the same time, you realize that each child, they have their own karma too. And we can't like totally protect them from hurt because the material world is bound to be hurt. You know, even you see just young children playing together and what, you know, one of them will hit the other one and then you feel, oh no, you know, you want to protect your child, but, but they, that's part of learning, you know, learning um, to get along in the world, learning to, um, to um, stand up for oneself mm -hmm. or learning to tolerate others. If, if they're just isolated, then, um, they can't learn, you know, protecting, like, you know, the story of the um, cocoon, right? How someone saw the, the, the butterfly struggling like anything to get out of that cocoon and they couldn't get out and say, oh, let me help the poor thing and takes a knife and cuts open the cocoon and then the butterfly can never fly because it didn't develop that strength of pushing against the cocoon. So it's like that, you know, letting them have the wings, wings to fly and make their own mistakes. And a certain and, detachment needs to be there, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think what's missing here, though, is we need to, or what would help to, to hear some feedback between Gurungi Priya and Amala Hari now. Yes, we did want to. We did want to have that happen. Maybe we will make that happen in the future for sure. So if you're listening, uh, Amala and Gurungi Priya, we will have you on <laughs> some feedback because I know there's a different perspective from their uh, even them raising their own children, even them them uh, you know growing up. Their perspective is very important. Also, um, I would. I, I have another question regarding. You know, it says that, okay, from zero to five, no discipline, five to 15, you know, big, a lot of discipline. And after 15, they act like a, like a friend. Do you feel that is accurate in, or, or is it, is that how, um, is that how you did it? How would you, how do you feel about that kind of principle? I think it's a great idea, mostly because um, I understand it came directly from Srila Prabhupada. Mm -hmm. And uh, I can see that 
it works uh, out of our experience with our son and daughter that it works but that way. I wouldn't say no discipline, but leniency, you know, <laughs> being so harsh. Because, yeah. like I said, children that are in control of their own lives, it's very unhappy. It makes them. So, you know, just lots of uh, boundaries, but lots of room for for actually, you know, individuality, too. Yeah. And then, but it's natural that 15, 16 years old, that's when, you know, one is really the brain is developed enough for independence. And we see that's when children, um, they decide, do I want to be a devotee or not? Right around 16 years old, mm -hmm. they, they decide if they want to. And then even, you know, even we've seen children raised in very strong Krishna conscious households. And then when they grow up, they don't want much to do with it. And then conversely, they, um, on the other side, they, they, they may take to it very strongly, mm. you know, what they, that's the deciding factor, you know, just like um, those, those of us who were not born in devotee families, like it was very common around um, between 19 and 21 years old. That's when most of us would join the ashram and all. The one thing is I really realized that it's also a matter of association. And just like when, when Amal was in India in the 24-hour kirtan, there were many times when we he would call us and he would ask, um, you know, what he should do, whether he should come back or not. I always encourage him to stay there and take advantage of the association. If they get good association, then yeah. they'll develop in all the good qualities of, of it's all a matter of association. Mm. It's very important. And we've always, always also always encouraged him in his um, different uh, adventures with uh, Sachinanda and Swami because um he um they have such an amazing relationship and and he has benefited so much from his association and sangha and you were you were encouraging him to stay in vrindavan because of the association of aindra prabhu yeah exactly. did you know him did you know aindra prabhu previous to this in the sense of like when when you were when you joined yeah i, I mean i had some associate i know he he joined in dc and uh I always remember him from New York because he would uh, be doing that 24. He would, he would he had a vehicle that he went all over the city and did a, Harina. A flatbed truck. Yeah, right. right. And not, uh, not 24 he, hours. He's a very, very from the day get go. He was an exceptionally committed devotee to distributing the holy name and. Right. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he, incredible. Yeah, Amal, um, he let his ticket expire. You know, he had a ticket to come home, and he just let it expire and stayed through the whole hot summer and everything. Wow, when he was quite young, that yeah. must be so. That must be so rewarding as a parent to see that your child is doing what, um, 
you wanted them to do in the sense of like when a poor you were saying about how you, know, you wanted someone to help in the in spreading of the holy name that must be such a rewarding thing to see that and when your child grows up that this is the thing that they're focused on this is the thing that they always want to do absolutely yeah it's it's the trump card to you know whatever else <laughs> that that the main thing he's committing his life to right. distributing the holy name so that's so amazing yeah. yeah um i would say um what would you say in conclusion uh to the devotees listening what would you want to take uh give them you know as a takeaway uh when it regards to marriage and regards to children or even in your own spiritual journeys um any concluding statements <laughs> um well i think um my greatest disappointment is that um that like many of our youth they haven't taken advantage of the treasure in Srila Prabhupada's books you know um thinking that they're just boring and then it's like wow take advantage like um you know like i say just keep reading like you think oh this is like so uh philosophical so technical whatever well if if you just keep on going then you hit like like just pockets of pure nectar you know according to your inclination like like if if you read books that will inspire you i mean there's so many um well you know i mean like krishna book and and if and all of the um biographies of Prabhupada. i'm looking at my bookshelf now there are so many and to read about you know the early days and the surrender of the devotees but um but there's so much treasure there and it and it could give so much inspiration and it may take like like kind of you know um like wading through like like it's not always like so relishable but if we just keep going it will more and more become relishable mm. so that's just one thing like take advantage of these wonderful books that Srila Prabhupada wrote what to speak of all of so many by his disciples and by Shiva Ram Swami, like so many incredible books. I would also mention that, especially if you're initiated and there's such a bounty of uh, wonderful Shiksha gurus that we have, and also our Diksha guru, we're chanting every every morning that prayer yasha prasada bhagavat prasada yasha prasada nakati kitopi dayam stivam tasya so that means that by pleasing the spiritual master krishna is pleased and without the grace of the spiritual master no one can make any advancement so we want to uh take shelter of um if we're initiated by our spiritual master um and there's also so many different shiksha gurus that are available and if we because we don't know how to please krishna by pleasing krishna 
by pleasing the spiritual master krishna becomes pleased and krishna is in our heart and he will guide us if we take full shelter of his representatives and um i'm clear that srila Prabhupada was a special shaktivesh avatar coming in the line of lord nityananda and he was specially empowered i take every opportunity to hear about Srila Prabhupada from those devotees that um, per, had personal association, the books that are out there by Shama Sundar and um, so many devotees. Uh, and there's such a, a, a wealth, such an abundance of wonderful, wonderful stories to keep us absorbed. And on my cell phone, I'll always go to, you know, either hearing Prabhupada's lectures or hearing his kirtan or hearing about him from, um, you know, those devotees who are really uh, attached to Srila Prabhupada. Sometimes I go to the manor and I hear the most incredible, if I get up early enough, I get to go to their Bhagavatam classes. Mm. And there's such a wealth of, of really great classes, Kripamoya Prabhu, and then, um, Bhutta Bhavana from your yeah. generation. These really great classes. And that's the main thing is to always keep transcendental sound vibration going and hear from Srila Prabhupada because there's a special energy that comes from uh Srila Prabhupada's uh life and 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 his uh transcendental you know lectures. And uh, if we can keep ourselves in that bubble of Krishna Kata, hearing and chanting, then we'll be protected from Maya's embrace because she's so strong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, I really am feel indebted to you and grateful that you joined me here uh, to, to tell your story and also to answer questions about marriage and children um and it's not a small thing that you both have stayed together for so long practice krishna consciousness raise your children it is not a small thing and i'm saying this uh you know seeing grahastas that have been you know down the line and you're you're very um one of a kind and i i just want to thank you from on behalf of all the younger generation i think you can really share a lot with with devotees about your experiences, inspired devotees, younger devotees like myself in Krishna consciousness. So I, I'm really am thankful. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. I didn't. You made us feel like um, you know, way better than we think than no, we. No, really you you know. definitely you're worshipable. You're, in my eyes, you as because <laughs> because what Iskon needs is is strong family units. And you're an example of that. And and your example will help future generations. For example, your 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 example helps me, then it helps my children, helps their children, and then it goes on and on. This is what the movement needs. The movement doesn't need, of course, it needs renunciates, it needs sannyasis and brahmacharis. But the main thing I feel mm. is for the future of our movement is strong families. And that's I think that's the bottom line. It, it, that's my opinion. Thank you. In closing, Thank you so much. I just wanted to acknowledge that now it'll be 46 years. Wow. That, and we're, we're entering Varna process, so we're taking time out now and again to separate and be um, 
give each other space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I mean, Vanaprest also means together, together in the forest, you know, also separate as well, of course. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an amazing example you've also given. 46 years. Fantastic. Just mind blowing, really is. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, so, Krishna. this is a dream come true. I really want to do this. <laughs> We'll do it again with Amal and Gragi Priya. This it was fantastic. If you want to get in touch with Apurva Prabhu and Kamalini uh, Mataji, her email is there on the screen. Kamalini Dasi at gmail.com for our audio listeners. K-A-M-A-L-I-N-I-D-A-S-I at gmail.com. You can get in contact with her. Uh, if you want to join the reading group, for example, I think many devotees can also uh, benefit from that. So Please stay on the line, um, and I will just turn off the... Okay, uh, also, um, yes. you know, I distribute books besides Srila Prabhupada's <laughs> BBT books. I have many, many, many titles, so if people are looking for books, let me know. <laughs> okay, if you're looking for books also, please get in, in contact. Okay, Hare Krishna, thank you for joining. Please stay on. Hare Krishna, everybody. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna.